This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sonsby. Welcome. Well, hello and happy 2022 to you. This is my official second annual year in review episode. And you're going, but Paul, you normally release on the 1st and the 15th of the month. Is this not the 10th of the month? It took you 10 days to summarize the year 2021 in texts. And I say to thee, nay, I say to thee, actually what happened is uh i got the covid uh i I got i got me some isolation time and then uh was isolated away from all of my podcast recording technology as well i uh and then i i i went from uh i went it wasn't it wasn't too bad i am fully vaccinated i'm extra vaccinated in fact and uh it was just basically like a cold but you have to isolate and then i lost my voice got all croaky so i had to wait but the good news is is if you're listening to this as soon as it came out this episode released on the 10th of january 2022 2022 uh my next episode will be right away in four days time i'm hoping four or five days time um so I still will deliver the episodes in a timely fashion, just not at the timely fashion that was fashionable for my time, if you like. So what is this year in review crap I'm talking about? Well, uh, last year I talked to you about the books and albums that I read and or listened to over the course of the year. But I thought I would change things up a little. And so I'm gonna th- this is how I think I'm going to do it for the foreseeable future and by foreseeable future I mean today and uh, then possibly uh, next year we'll see but I have a whole year to make up my mind so I read 68 books last year giggle that I couldn't make it just far enough but I read 68 of them I'm not going to talk about 68 books and I also uh, watched some films some were good, some were bad. And I watched some TV shows. Some were good, some were bad. And I listened to some music. Some was good, some was bad. Ah, there we go. What I am going to do, though, is I am going to select for you my favorite five of the latter text categories. So I am going to um, select my favorite five albums that I listened to last year, my favorite five TV shows I saw last year, and my favorite five films that I saw last year. And then I'm going to, so that's the sort of free and easy stuff, the fives. I'll, t- I'll just tell you quickly a little bit about them. And then I'm going to list, I'm going I, I, to have to go to 10 novels, uh, 10 books. I, c- I couldn't quite limit it out of 68 to five. And I think for a podcast that is generally about books, um, although films and music do come up, that's okay. Um, The disclaimer I will put before I start getting down to it is 
these are books, movies, TV shows, and albums that I encountered in 2021. Not necessarily exclusively ones that were released in 2021. Um, Especially music, well, books first, but music is a good tell as well. Um, I am not very current when it comes to music. Well, no, I am current. I'm current with what I like, but I looked at the top 10 albums released in Canada and the top 10 albums released in the United States uh, on some website or other, and I had heard of very few of them. And and those that I'd heard of, like Drake or, or, or Kanye, they're not my cup of tea. I don't listen to them. And there's a lot of artists who... I don't even know what their name is. It's just a random lumping together of letters and uh, 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 numbers. Um, Although I did discover posthumously uh, one of these figures, uh, a rapper named Juice World, who I didn't mind. Juice World, I I got into on a road trip back from northern Alberta. with my son coming back from baseball provincials, and he introduced me to Juice World, and I, as rappers go, although he's a little was a little obsessed with drugs and codeine, and apparently this is how he died was due to drugs. So uh, you know the story checks out, but didn't mind it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely middle aged man music, uh, and I and I don't I'm not ashamed of that. So, what you'll, well, let's start with that. Let's start with music. So, the five albums I enjoyed most in 2021. The first is an EP, uh, Matter of Time, an acoustic EP recorded in isolation in lockdown by the great Eddie Vedder, my favorite singer from my favorite band, Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder's Matter of Time is a Series of acoustic songs, uh, mostly Pearl Jam songs, although he does cover Growing Up by Bruce Springsteen. Heck of a cover. Um, Over the course of the year, Eddie also recorded one of those um, words and music things on Audible. I listened to his and I listened to Alanis Morissette's. This is my way of cheating because those books aren't going to count in my list of 10. But uh, they're stories and music about from from the artist's perspective and Eddie's... um, uh, I Am Mine, it is called, named after probably lyrically my favorite Pearl Jam song, I Am Mine, uh, is is uh, is on there. Anyways, Matter of Time. Uh, the second that I enjoyed a heck of a lot was Letter to You by Bruce Springsteen. And I'm a guy who should have liked Bruce Springsteen forever. Um, if you know me or you know enough about my musical tastes, the, the folk poet approach, uh, I dig a lot of those. And, and you know what? I've always been obviously aware of Bruce Springsteen, but I'd never gotten into him. Um, I didn't ever truly appreciate him. And then I heard the song Ghosts off of Letter to You, which is about uh, all of his bandmates from his early days who were passed on. It's one of the best rock songs I've heard in years. Um, it's phenomenal. Ghosts. And anyways, uh, this this is a good album, but it it was the thin end of the wedge for me to discover the entire Bruce Springsteen uh, discography. Uh, lots of stuff I'd never heard before. So I am officially a fan of the growling poet 
of New Jersey, uh, and uh, it was awesome stuff. Third, Saskadelphia, the release and another EP by the Tragically Hip of uh, songs from the Road Apples sessions. Uh, a series of songs that we had never heard before that had been that were released, and then Road Apples was reissued late in the year with um, the Saskadelphia songs on it. And in May of uh, last year, I had my appendix out right in uh, and, and Saskadelphia. The reason I'm telling you this, it came out, and uh, it was like kind of like my springtime. There's a song called "Ouch." Uh, there's a song called "Not Necessary." So there's my appendix. And then there's a song called Montreal, which reminds me of my summer because my dear Montreal Canadians made an unlikely uh, uh, absolute sprint to the Stanley Cup Finals. Ah, memories when Montreal Canadians were good and hockey was in the summer. I, I barely watched any this year. Definitely not my beloved Habs, who I think are currently sitting at seven wins. Um, I would mention the Weezer album, Okay Human, but it, you know, Weezer releases so much and some of it's good and some of it's men. It was more of a meh album for me. The other two, definitely, uh, narrower in appeal. Um, Dream Theater, the prog metal band I like a lot, released an album called A View from the Top of the World, um, which was pretty typical, pretty good. Um, they are virtuoso, so I can listen to anything they do. Although there's a song on there called Transcending Time that is a a rare, absolutely shining track. Uh, usually these this is a band I listen to albums of and enjoy as whole, but that is a song on its own I've listened to repeatedly. Transcending Time with its keyboard soloing. And then lastly, uh, a heavy release by a Scottish band I have liked for 20 years called Biffy Clyro. Huge in Europe, not really well known in North America. Um, The myth of happier ever after Biffy has released. uh, And I like everything they release. And this one was was good. A little on the heavier side, but no complaints. So there's my music. Eddie Vedder, Bruce Springsteen, The Tragically Hip Dream Theater, and Biffy Clyro releases. What's next? Let's talk the five films that uh, I found most significant last year. I I talked about it in a whole episode, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But Denis Villeneuve's Dune. And and I'm the guy who was like, it's my favorite novel. I was really excited for the movie. It's fine. I don't know if it was the greatest film of the year. Uh, I saw other films that were quite a bit better. Uh, so, in my opinion, it wasn't the greatest film of the year, but um, it it definitely was better than a lot of the schlock, like your Black Widows and your Free Guys and your Shang-Chi's and your Red Notices. Um, it was definitely better than that, but uh, mm, hey, if you want uh, me to give you a whole take on it, look back a couple episodes to my entire breakdown of Denny Villeneuve's Dune Part 1. Other movies, oh, I, 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 I'll, you should disclaim, I just watched The Power of the Dog. Uh, I'll mention it next year. It's good. It's real good. But it doesn't count. It's not on my list because I didn't watch it till 2022. A movie I watched that was not brand new was Flags of Our Fathers by Clint Eastwood. Um, you'll see when I get to books, I went through kind of a World War II phase at the end of the year and rewatched or watched a bunch of World War II 
movies and uh, TV shows. And the one I'd never seen is Flags of Our Fathers, which is the story of the raising of the American flag in victory on Iwo Jima in 1945. Very good film. Very thoughtful film. Uh, Clinton Eastwood, he's a good director. Another film, oh yeah, and the rest of them were all relatively current to that year. So um, in one of the isolation phases or lockdown phases, my kids and I watched a couple of Pixar movies, and one that I didn't know much about was Sing. Um, Phenomenal. Uh, Pixar, Disney as a whole, but Pixar can be... You know, every once in a while, it's, they, they release a couple a year. They're usually pretty, you know, fine. And then you get your Wallies, and you get your Toy Story 2s. You get these ones that are just brave, unbelievably good. Head and shoulders above the rest of it. And Sing is up there with the very best. Um, the story of a, a jazz musician, aspiring jazz musician who's really done nothing with his life, who dies and goes to the afterlife and complexities abound, tries to return to uh, life uh, accompanied by a rebellious soul. It's really hard to explain when you think about it. Good flick. Um, Really good music. Uh, The jazz is done by a jazz artist, but then everything that happens in the sort of spirit world is, uh, is done by the tremendous duo of Trent Reznor of, uh, Nine Inch Nails, and Atticus Ross. Um, I I went down a deep rabbit hole when I was in isolation from COVID and listened to everything in order that Trent Reznor has ever recorded, starting with Head Like a Hole all the way up to, uh, you know, the Downward Spiral and all that great Nine Inch Nails stuff through the Ghosts um, albums by Nine Inch Nails, which are which are instrumental to his combination with Atticus Ross in all of these um, film soundtracks, uh, right up until Sing. Uh, just tremendous, just amazing stuff. It was a really good thing to vibe to when suffering from a slight case of the, the vaccine-protected sniffles. Get vaccinated, fight the pandemic, there's your public service announcement. Hey, speaking of Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, uh, Mank, they did the soundtrack for that too, even though it's more... Uh, it's more trying to sound like the era. Mank was a neat movie. I'm a sucker for a movie about writers. It is about the man who actually wrote Citizen Kane for Orson Welles. Played phenomenally by um, the, the absolutely great, great Gary Oldman. The one of the greatest actors of his time. I try not to get attached to actors anymore because they keep getting canceled. But Gary Oldman's been phenomenal. I could watch that Manchu bubblegum. Great since back in his Rosencrantz and Guildenstern days right up until present moment. I think he got nominated for an Oscar for Mank if you are thrilled by that type of thing. But good film. Black and white. Kind of a different flick. And then finally, my, uh, my last choice... Uh, films of the year that I did see still in 2021 is uh, Adam McKay's Don't Look Up, which uh, apparently has been divisive. And I think the only reason it's divisive is it's so satirical and the people it's satirizing, which is several groups, is uh, don't like that they're being satirized. Uh, Don't Look Up is, of course, features an all-star cast, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, 
so many, and it's about scientists who discover a comet that's going to destroy the planet, and they just can't seem to make people interested in the fact that we're all going to die because we're too busy, obsessed with social media and who, what celebrities are breaking up, and 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 those people in power are, you know, exploiting our votes rather than saving our lives. Um, it is pertinent. It was. It's done satirically about. Uh, um, the climate crisis, but you could easily transpose it on um, the COVID-19 pandemic and still see the same type of thing. Um, a, a fabulous, fabulous movie. And it's going to see a couple of parallels uh, in, in an episode I will be releasing around February 1st um, on The Lord of the Flies by William Golding. So stay tuned for that if you're interested. But Don't Look Up is phenomenal. And yes, I, okay, I'm going to say it now just quickly, even though it's six. Power of the Dog uh, by Jane Campion, really good, uh, really good, but I'll properly review it at the beginning of next year. I can't imagine liking a movie more than that. Okay, there are your films. And lastly, TV shows. All right, let's start with the two that weren't 2021 specific. I discovered Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, I watched the first two seasons of. I know there are more, but there's like five or something. Peaky Blinders is a show about uh, 1920s um, gangsters in uh, in the UK. Killian Murphy plays the lead in it. Very well done, like m- much British television. It's a little bit more of a slow burn. It's a little bit more clever. Um, it's not all about the flash. It's about the characterization and the writing. I find that that's a very common thing in uh, British shows. Um, I watched another, the Dracula series, uh, that was kind of neat, you know, but Peaky Blinders, the other that was not from 2021 that I watched, I rewatched the Pacific, the band of brothers, um, accompaniment TV show. There were two band of brothers shows, one about Europe and one about the Pacific theater. Um, my wife and I had watched it when it was first released about a decade ago and I rewatched it and it is very good. Um, sickening and accurate as far as I know because it's based on the accounts of real characters. Then, so there's two. Oh, I'm totally cheating. Yeah, there's two. Three, number three. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. My, I'm going to do three standalones and then I'm going to do my f- fourth and fifth is going to actually be three, but they're all going to be one category. Um, the third... Probably the best show I watched last year was The Queen's Gambit uh, on Netflix, which is about a young lady who becomes um, a prodigy at chess. And although the show isn't actually very much about chess, it's based on a novel from the 80s, there isn't a lot of actual, like, they play chess, but you don't actually see them doing chess. Like, you you, you hear about moves, but you don't really see them. Um, but she, you know, suffers alcoholism and she's uh, socially kind of detached. Uh, great, great film. Um, highly recommend, or TV show. Highly recommend it. Loved it a lot. Okay, the ones I'm glomming together are the Marvel shows on Disney+. Plus: Loki, WandaVision, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And MODOK. And... Uh, I'm not putting Hawkeye in this because I watched these with my sons and we just started Hawkeye. We're one episode in. So, and then I went down. I went, I went in isolation. And so, uh, uh, tune in next year when I talk about Hawkeye, maybe. 
I probably will because he happens to be one of my favorite comic book characters for some reason. But uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki. Well, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was you get what you paid for. Uh, it's spy-y, superhero-y, action-y, gun-y, Captain America-y. Good humor at times, a little slow at others. It was nice to see the character John Walker um, as Captain America 2 um, because that was one of one of my favorite story arcs in the late 80s there, um, and they did a good job of making you hate him and the introduction of U.S. Agent, uh, although I would have liked to see that go longer. Um, it, it was an okay show, but it was just basic meat and potatoes Marvel show, um, whereas WandaVision and Loki were a little bit more complex, um, Loki was either really good or really lame. Um, there was a lot of, like, they're using it as to play with time and introduce the next big villain for Marvel, who is Kang the Conqueror. Uh, I think that's what I followed. But, uh, and he's a classic Marvel villain, a time traveling villain. Um, yeah, there were episodes that were total snoozes, there were episodes that were great. It, didn't really end it was fine WandaVision uh, I know it started the year before but we didn't finish it till last year WandaVision was the best of the Marvel shows I think uh, for me although I think contrary to your average Marvel viewer who really liked Falcon and Winter Soldier but didn't like the first few episodes of WandaVision I'm the opposite like Falcon and Winter Soldier was fine but WandaVision was really good up front uh, when when every episode was based on a time period of popular television and it's a mystery, by the end it turned into just your typical Marvel sky beam fight scene flying around things. But there were some cool things like um, uh, another comic I really enjoyed because Hawkeye was the leader of them when I was a kid was West Coast Avengers and White Vision uh, was introduced in this series as part of... Um, the end of the story and that's from the west coast avengers which was a dang fine comic when i was a kid but there you go the marvel shows and but the last one is modok which is a cross between well what is it a cross between a marvel show and the simpsons uh it's about a, a a captain america iron man villain he's a giant floating head and it's voiced by Patton Oswalt and has loads of comic book references because Patton Oswalt uh, is a bigger nerd than I am. Uh, if you don't believe me, watch his rant on Parks and Recreation on YouTube where he combines Star Wars, Marvel, and... Uh, Star Wars, Marvel, um, drawn a blank. There's a third thing that's popular. Star Wars, Marvel, X-Men, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, crossover. Point is... That's a bit of an aside on a wonderful rant. Um, funny show about him trying to, this supervillain trying to get his life in order. And lots of inside jokes for Marvel geeks and non-Marvel geeks alike. Definitely likes it. So there's my TV shows. Oh, I don't know if I said. Maybe I said. I can't remember. I'll say again. The full list will be posted in the show notes if you want to see everything I watched, read, or heard last year that I took note of. 
Um, I'll put them in the show notes. There'll be a link to my old blog uh, that I used to do before I started podcasting, which I used to update my blog every now and again. And now, most important to me, the books. The books I read last year in no particular order. Um, Here are the 10 books uh, I found most significant reads. For those of you keeping tabs of the 10, two I had read before. Two were rereads. The two rereads were Dracula by Bram Stoker and 1984 by George Orwell. Uh, Dracula, I just love that book. I never not enjoyed it. 1984 was interesting because I remembered the first time I read it, adoring it. And then I reread it about 10 years later and it didn't do as much for me. And then I, I was going to be prospectively teaching it to an advanced placement class, so I decided to reread it in the summer. And it's good because I am teaching it in that advanced placement class as we speak. And I loved it. Um, I don't know what happened that second time, but 1984 uh, is as important now as it ever was, maybe even more. So those are the two. The rest of them uh, drew the Godfather. By Mario Puzo. Never read it before. I did an episode on it uh, about, you know, February or March or something like that. Go look in the archives if you're interested. Really neat. Uh, I actually prefer the movie. There's stuff, especially this whole West Coast sex romp surgery on vagina thing. I don't know that I needed that. But uh, it was neat to read the book. Um, and there's some, I'm going to read The Sicilian at some point this year and some, some sequels. So it was really good. A um, couple of nonfictions I enjoyed. Stuff Matters uh, by Mark uh, Miodownik. Miodownik, I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Uh, this book was neat. It was basically breaking down the most important substances we have on the planet by chapter. So there's a chapter about glass and there was a chapter about concrete and there's a chapter about porcelain. Um, very, very fascinating science for the layman. I love it when uh, scientists can make stuff interesting to guys who don't get science very well like me. The other nonfiction was Neil Gaiman's view from the cheap seats. So this was a collection of Neil Gaiman's nonfiction works over the course of his career. Love his style, love his humor, love his commentary. Like me, he's a man of letters whose foundation was comic books. Uh, Comic books are kind of where I cut my teeth as a reader. And uh, now I I read everything. But I still talk about comic books. I'm going through a wonderful renaissance with my sons of experiencing my childhood for a second time and knowing the endings because I've seen it all. But, uh, yeah, View from the Cheap Seats, good. And two more nonfictions I'll mention. Let's mention the nonfictions and then do the fictions. Uh, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire by Edward Gibbon. I've been reading some big books. Uh, Ever since the pandemic started, I've been kind of checking off a lot of the books that I have to read. Um, Last year, uh, early in the year, right about now, I finished War and Peace. Hufta, good book, though. And uh, late in the year, I think at about October, I finally finished The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. I did it on audiobook. Disclaimer. Hundred and some hours. I just wasn't going to put the time in to read it. But it was really readable. Really interesting. There's a reason people still talk about this, even though it's like a 300-year-old book. 
it is a very readable account. Um, I'm doing the same with uh, Sir Thomas Mallory's Lamore Darter. I should be done that, honestly, in the next couple of weeks. And I will be having a King Arthur episode coming up here, um, exploring adaptations of the most famous of British kings. And then the other nonfiction book I read, which probably to me is the most significant book I read last year because it took me half the year to read it, was Alan Bullock's Hitler and Stalin Parallel Lives. This is the book I was making reference to that kind of saw me rewatching all these documentaries and films and TV shows on World War II. Um, and it was great that I was reading this at the same time as 1984. Uh, for a while because it is a wonderful, detailed account of these two tyrants uh, and what they did and and how so much power in the hands of one psychopath led to so many big events. Very detailed. It was published in the 90s just after the Soviet Union fell, and it is still every bit as pertinent Um, and kind of scary when you read it alongside 1984, which satirizes um, the behavior of people like Stalin and Hitler, although in some ways maybe they don't even exist in it. But it's for another time. I'm sure I'll be talking about 1984. Okay, there's my non-fictions. My fictions, well, other than The Godfather, I guess that was a fiction. East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I released three episodes about John Steinbeck in 2021 and East of Eden was the only one I didn't talk about and it is was the only one of his books I hadn't read before I did the Pearl Grapes of Wrath and of Mice and Men East of Eden is a very thick book very readable semi-autobiographical at times and doesn't even hide the fact that it is allegorizing the story of Eden and Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel but um, really readable for its length. A, a great, great book. Wonderful characterization. The others I read. Uh, oh, The Source by James Michener. My first James Michener novel. I like Edward Rutherford a lot. Guys who take a location and write an entire novel about that location's history. The Source is essentially about Israel. Uh, over time, um, very, very good. Uh, long, long book, but very good. Really enjoyed it. Um, learned a lot about um, th- the foundation of modern Israel and some of its history that I'd known. I know a lot about it. Some great crusader history. Yeah. Uh, fictionalized history, obviously. And one left. What's the last one? The Ichabog by J.K. Rowling. She has had trouble surviving after Harry Potter. I guess she's got herself in some trouble. She doesn't believe in transgenderism or something like that. I don't know. Don't don't fall in love with celebrities. They'll always disappoint you. But uh, I, this is the only book I've read of hers since Harry Potter. I, I think she's had a couple others that I haven't picked up. But the Ichabog uh, she published during the pandemic, having young... Um, artists all over the world, including one from Edmonton, draw scenes that appeared in it. My kids and I read this. A very readable, very wonderful little fairy tale about um, a fantasy creature and a group of young people who may or may not believe in this fantasy creature and the fairy tale kingdom that falls under a tyrant uh, while 
Um, these kids are trying to save it, and and in in typical J.K. Rowling fashion, there's there's some harsh things that happen. There's death. There's craziness. There's it's it's uh, not for the faint of heart, but it's a very good book. My kids and I both loved it. You asked me what my favorite book of 2021 was. Number one, I'm going to go with that Hitler and Stalin book. Uh, that's a book that deeply affected me, and it and it was just. Like I started at July 1st and I finished it just before Christmas. I was reading other stuff at the same time, but really had to pound through it at the end. I wanted to finish it before Christmas. And phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. So that'll be my favorite book of the year. Uh, my favorite film of the year, Don't Look Up. Although Sing is a close second, but I think Don't Look Up is just too important. Um, favorite TV show of the year, Queen's Gambit. Really like that one. And my favorite album of the year. I'm going to go with Letter to You by Bruce Springsteen just because of all the rest that it led to. Uh, me listening to Springsteen pretty much constantly through 2021. And I feel like I wasted so many years. Oh, and he had a really good uh, show on Netflix too that I watch. Watch it if you like. Look at me promoting Netflix. So there you have it, folks. In a half hour or slightly more. The uh, the year in review, books, TV shows, movies, and music. Um, thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you in less than a week's time. We will be discussing Timothy Finley's World War I novel from 1977, The Wars. Bye. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.